Marina Ezra. I'm Jordan Freed, <laughs> and I'm Brendan O'Brien. Sorry, I'm having a one-on-one conversation with Mary Jane right now. <laughs> She's here too, and um, joining us also is our guest for this episode of Sessions of Mary Jane. Please, wherever you are listening to this, clap for comedian and comedic artist Julio Diaz. Thank you for being here today. Hey. Having me. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, Julio, where are you calling from uh, remotely to us at this current time? I am parked up right next to uh, Greenwich Village Comedy Club. I have a spot at 950. Very Ooh, nice. Very okay, nice. okay. So we are catching Julio literally in, in the, the environment. <laughs> yes, he is. He is getting great out. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's what's going on tonight? Is there a show? Is it up there, Mike? Tonight? Yeah, it's their house show. They they got at 9:30. Cool, cool, very cool. Yeah, we were definitely we are definitely going to explore into your comedy past and present. Uh, but first, I believe you have a challenge. Yes. Uh, so, Julio. So, during this podcast, at any point you will be, uh, you will, at not any point, at this current point, you'll be challenged <laughs> to name as many items on a list that we will give you. The list is to name as many sketch comedy shows that you can think of. You said at any at any point during the podcast, whenever you think of one, shout it out. We'll put it on the list and tally it up at the end. See how many you got. And literally, like at any given moment, just like yeah. say, like Mad TV. Yes. yes, there you go. That, that, was, that was a great example of doing it. <laughs> yes. It's your first one on the list. <laughs> is there a sketch show that is like the top for you? Um, I I, I like uh, I like Mad TV a lot. Um, then you know you obviously you got SNL, and then um, that was such a good question of uh. <laughs> As the podcast go on, it'll come to me, but those are the first two that pop in my head. Okay, well, those two are classics, yeah. Yes. Nice. Good picks. You know you know what else was good? The Amanda Show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. You are preaching yeah. to the Nickelodeon I choir. I was waiting for that one to come out. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Solid sketch show right there. Yeah. Good material right yeah. there. What was the first uh, source of comedy that uh, that you got into as a kid that made you consider doing comedy? Uh, I used to watch TV with my dad a lot, and he was big on watching, um, what's their names? Um, I think it was, what is it, Penn and Teller, something like that. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about? One of them was silent, the other one was, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's like a magic show kind of, right? Yeah. Yes. And he was, like, really big into that, or he would watch late night, anything late night he was watched. So, like, back then it was Leno, um... He was big on Leno a lot, and then just anything that he was watching, I was always into. And then uh, middle school, I started watching stand-up on my own on YouTube. This is like 05, 06, early YouTube days where somebody will upload a video that maybe shouldn't have been up there, but it was <laughs> What type of stuff were you getting into back then? Oh, um, a lot of, like, old-school stand-up. So, like, um, uh, who can I tell you? Um, Rob Stapleton, a lot of Rob Stapleton back then um a lot of godfrey a little bit of everybody really and then um i think carlos mencia was really popular back then this was before all the you know all the stuff that came out about him and the, and the yes. you know the scandals yeah. and stuff but uh find the mencia that was another sketch show i was watching um so really just a lot of those things and uh the my favorites were the comedy central um i think it was the they were really popular for the 30 minutes back then so they'll give somebody like 30 minutes or they will have an episode where you would have like kevin hart gabriel iglesias this is when he was bubbling back then and just all these people on this one 30 minute show and 
that's really my whole first step into comedy. Mm, yeah. Would you say that when you were younger that you uh, were the class clown? For sure, yeah. I honestly didn't think I would do stand-up. I thought it was more like class clown in the moment, uh, really good at yes-sanding. I love to yes-sand. If, if even if I couldn't afford to get in trouble because I'll get suspended, I was with it. I was like, no, nah, I don't care. Yes. And I'll yes-sand you all the way. So it's yeah, definitely a class clown. Yeah. So, you, so have you done improv? I actually started with improv. I, uh, this was like 2015 and Cypher Sounds was doing an improv class and that's how I started because I didn't think I could do stand-up. But then um, I met some friends after the class ended. I took that class for like a year. We just started going to the stand for open mics and I stuck with it. The best thing I ever did. That's awesome. What it, so how was it your comfort level from improv comparative to stand-up? Because obviously one is solo, one you do with at least one other person in a group, and obviously one is scripted and one is not scripted. So there's, yeah, like uh, obviously similarities between the two because shit always comes up in a stand-up comedy because you also interact with the crowd. So there is improvisation elements. Um, But yeah, what was your comfort level for both at the start? I was actually really super, super shy. Um, I was still living in like this little shy bubble that I, I was in and um, improv, I was, I, improv was nice for me because it, it got me out of that shell. Um, I used, I was very people observant. So I would watch some of the people that were comfortable in improv class and what they would do. And there was this one guy named Q. First thing he did every class was come in, not even every class, but the first class specifically he came in and he shook everybody's hands. They said, hey, I'm Q. And right then I was like, look, he's already popping that bubble, yeah. introducing himself. Now he's incorporated in the whole environment. Now everybody knows him, first name basis. So little things like that I picked up. And uh, improv was really good for me because it just got me out of that shell. Um, but believe it or not, I felt more shy and nervous doing improv because you're sort of relying on the team and vice versa. They're relying on you to keep it going. Versus a stand-up, if you're bombing, you by yourself, you're not letting nobody down. Even if you're bombing, I never felt like I was letting myself down when I was bombing because I was like, yo, I'm representing myself. I was going to bomb regardless. I might as well go through it. So I felt more shy doing improv, to be honest with y'all. Yeah. Speaking of bombing, when you first bombed doing stand-up, what, did, what happened to you psychologically? Were you just like, okay, yes, I have to just keep doing this. Do you get better or that definitely deterred you for a bit? Honestly, um, I think I the, I had a benefit of doubt where the friends that I made, uh, Trinidad and Julio, who we do a podcast together, they were always in the crowd in the beginning because we would do stand-up together. So um, in the back of my mind when I was bombing, I never felt no type of ways because they would always be in the corner laughing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I'm saying that they were laughing because they – not not even laughing because they were supporting me, just laughing because – you're watching your friend bomb. And oh, that's yeah. still felt- <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it still felt good just to, you know, you know, whatever. And, um, but it never really deterred me. Once you get, once you just, if you're just honestly okay with failing and have no expectations in life, you will forever be good. Yeah. That's, the- that's true. Yeah. 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 Have you always been able to deal with failure like that? Like in a very mature way or did you just kind of like grow and learn to get to that point? You know what it was, is uh, my first dream in life was basketball, and I never, ever fully committed to it. I never put myself out there. 
and I never allowed myself to fail. I was so nervous of failing that I never played to my to my potential. I was good at practice because nobody was there watching, but then once the lights were on and people were in the crowd, I was super nervous. I didn't want to miss a shot. So I told myself with comedy, I was like, no matter what, I will not let anything get in my way, especially myself, especially myself. And that's really what it was that I just was like, and then once I'm fully committed like that, and plus, once you bomb so much and you go up, I've been doing this seven and a half years. That's a lot of bombing, a lot of wins too. But at the end of the day, I don't invest so much time in this. There's no turning back or, or giving up on it. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to make it work. Where in basketball, I didn't put in no time or effort in it. It was easier to quit. It's some, you know, something I never really cared about because I never really worked for it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. No, it's crazy, especially when you're a kid. It's, it's like, it's so easy just to, like, for that to, like, get in the way of, like, things that you want, you know? And, like, I don't know if that's, like, if that's just like, that, we're, that we're raised or just, like, a natural thing, but it, it, it like, that's just, like, a part of growing up, though, right? It's, like, you have to, like, learn how to, like, overcome doing those things in order to get what you actually want. Because, like, if you don't do that, then you'll never get what you actually want in life. Facts. It's, it's harder when you're a kid because you're thinking – you just add all this unnecessary pressure. It isn't until you become at a certain age where you're just okay with the flow and the natural pacing that your life is taking. You ease off the less pressures. Because life is a life already alone. It's so much pressure. You got to work to live, blah, blah, blah. The last thing you need to do is put pressure on yourself to always do well. Like, nah, you know, sometimes I win, sometimes I don't, but I try and I can live with that. Yeah. Julia, where'd you grow up? In Brooklyn. Uh, what neighborhood? In Williamsburg. Okay. My whole life. Cool. Oh, really? So are you in Williamsburg now? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So wait, you must have seen Williamsburg undergo some kind of transformation in your lifetime, huh? Funny enough, I caught, I, I would say I caught like the, all right, so like it, it started changing really like around 2000, but it started at like Greenpoint. And then it started really trickling down. And um, so it was like right around when I got to high school, this is like 2009, 10, where you would just see things you weren't used to. And uh, I live in like a, a dominant, like a lot of Dominicans. It was really bad back then too. A lot of like, you know, gangs and bad stuff. So to be honest, you know, I kind of like the new changes, not all the way, you know, I don't, I don't like the new bougie people. But it's so much safer than it used to be. Like, you know, it is what it is. I'm all about adapting to the change. If this is the neighborhood now, it is what it is. I do feel bad for some that are not able to pay their rent and they're forced out. Those I will forever, you know, understand. And But, it, you know, it is what it is sometimes. Yeah. There is something to you staying and, like, contributing to the culture and staying in that neighborhood also. Because, like, you did grow up there. Yeah. I'm lucky. I'm lucky enough that I live with my parents, if I'm honest with y'all. If I was by myself, yeah. who knows where I'd be at. Yeah. What's your relationship with your parents like? Uh, really good. Honestly, like, really good. I'm very, uh, very blessed to be. Because, honestly, like, they're, they're super supportive. My humor, everything that I am as a person came from them. And not every parent is supportive of your dreams. I'm not saying, like, my parents forced me to like, really like, I work for sanitation because they pushed me to do all these things, but they could still not support me leaving the house to pursue all these things. So I'm actually very appreciative of to have them as parents because I know some friends who didn't have the same parents. So, yeah. 
great. Yeah. Do you do you remember when they first either when you told them or they found out that you were interested in pursuing comedy professionally? Uh, you know, these are the same parents that I, I was telling them, I'm going to make it to the NBA. And, <laughs> and they came to basketball games where I didn't get off the bench. I didn't, I, they saw how I didn't put in that effort for basketball. So here I am now at 20. I think I started at 20 telling them I want to do stand-up. I dropped out of college. It's, you know, it's a little bit different. So they were just okay with the fact that I was always working. It's not like I was never not working. Yeah. And uh, I thought I thought maybe I'm thinking that they were thinking at some point that this was going to phase out and I was going to just stay at like sanitation or city job. Yeah. And uh, we're at this like weird point now where things are happening in stand up, but I am also working for sanitation. Mm. So I'm sort of still going against the grain. They're still very supportive, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh. What do you do for sanitation? What's that like? Is that a hardcore job? It is, honestly, because it's like, you know, everybody has a route. Everybody's picking up tons of garbage every night. So that's split up between you and your partner. Or we're like doing the corner baskets. That gets dirty. To be honest with y'all, it's a tough job to let go. I'm not even going to lie. It's the best job I've ever had. Wow. I love it. Nobody bothers me. I am scared of rats, though. That's the only problem. But <laughs> it's nice. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like working at night specifically? Uh, you know what's funny is uh, so there's like there's three schedules. Uh, three times it's six a.m. to two. Uh, then you have a four p.m. to twelve a.m. Which obviously I don't want that one that takes away from all the shows. Or a 12 a.m. to 8. So until I have enough seniority to get in the morning, 12 to 8 is perfect. Because after COVID and after, you know, the lockdown, there's not too many 12 o'clock shows unless you're at the comedy cellar or something. So after 1130, I'm not missing out on anything. I can still do what I got to do from 4 to like 10 to 11. And then go to work. And it makes me feel good because I'm like, you know, I'm hustling. Yeah. I like it. I, I feel like I'm it's very gully. Like, there's not too many people that could be like, yo, I just had an amazing set or... I just bombed four times in a row, and I'm about to go pick up garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love nice your spirit. Yeah, I love your attitude towards things for sure. That's also yeah. something I like. I'm assuming when, when I'm going to say when, not if the shift comes where you do excel more in stand up, and you do have to do like you're already so committed to it, but. Um, it is like it. It is always interesting to me when people go higher up in the ladder, and that changes you, your surroundings, your environment, and the new people you're interacting with. Because now it's becoming more like you have to do this for business. It's becoming like okay, they need to like prop you up. You got to do this. You have to meet these people. Blah blah blah. All this stuff. But um, I mean, what is your like even now with? With Cinda, finding that, I mean, if more and more people know you and they see you and they're aware of you and they're, um, like, there's no, people break the fourth wall with comedy all the time. Like, obviously, it doesn't seem like there's a fourth wall. The point I'm getting at is that, like, what do you do to give yourself a distance so that you're not, because you said you're a shy person by nature, like, at least in the the beginning you were, um, but now having like, I mean, I, yeah, it's just like, how do you manage that? 
because there's just, you know, more and more people who are going to address you and, you know, come to your shows. I would say um, it's, I, I have a tough time in ending convos. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm there, like, if I'm on the run and somebody's talking to me, I don't know how to politely say, hey, excuse me, I'm sorry. Especially because most people always come to me to vent. I don't know what it is. They love venting mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I do think I'm a good listener. And it's kind of hard because I don't know how to tell somebody that's like, bro, I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't been able to pay my rent, this and that. And I don't know how to tell them, like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, 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 you know, I feel rude when I, when I tell them I have to go. But I, I think yeah. what I do, um, I keep a distance in a sense of, like, uh, okay, I, I don't share. I think that's the best way I could put it. So you could come to me and vent and share about everything you want. I'm not gonna go wrong. I'm not gonna go around talking about your business, this and that. What I'm not gonna do is talk about my stuff, so that way, not because I think my stuff is private or something, but just so that I can feel like I still have some type of distance from you. Um, and that and that came from I've always had a lot of friends in my life, and then after high school, I started just picking and choosing my circles or just eliminating my circle too. Like right now, I can honestly tell you, I have one best friend that I tell everything to. I tell stuff to my parents, and then everybody after that, I pick and choose what I tell them based on the relationship that we have, but that has helped me feel like I have some type of control and privacy over my world. You may know me from what I post or what you see, but you don't know everything, and I think that's the biggest advice I could give to people to feel like that. You don't got to go around sharing all of your stuff. It, It helps you feel like you have some type of distance from people there's still some type of wall they may not feel it because they're very approachable but you still have a wall put up so you know yes. defend yourself yes even though yeah you're open and have that welcoming come in which is now like I feel like we're in the era era of oversharers people on social media are <laughs> putting mm-hmm. everything out there and it's like nobody asks <laughs> It's like, you know, like, good, I'm very glad you're empowered to do all this. But um, I do feel like sometimes it does just project other pressures onto people to feel like, oh, I, I got to be that person now. Or like, mm-hmm. I have to do this, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, they do feel like they owe somebody something, which is not true. It's like, just because you shared 80% does not mean I have to also share my 80%. I'm going to give you 10%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's totally fine. That's totally within your right. But yeah, that is a very healthy perspective that you have on it that I'm glad you spoke upon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially with like, I, like I, tell me if you experience this, like the, like with coming up through the stand-up world, like how do you feel about like the pressure that comes along with like having to have like an online presence? Like, do you enjoy that part of it? Do you like like run up against it? How do you feel about it? I still I still struggle with it. I want to find a perfect, healthy balance because um, I personally don't see myself becoming an online personality like some people are, mm-hmm. where they're like, their whole thing is like they get up and they share their opinions or they go live and they do that, yeah. or they have a team and they're consistently dropping videos. I personally like the, the flow that I'm going in. I know we're going to have to pick it up a little more, but I do very well with doing videos with Jared Harvin and Talon Harris. I drop my podcast with Julio Trinidad on there. 
I use my Instagram for promotion only, like I promote stuff or whatever, but uh, I know at some point I'm going to pick it up. But to be honest with y'all, what I mainly want to do on Instagram is what catches my attention and what catches my attention are the funny sketches. Mm. And uh, I do want to find a way of how to do it individually too. Um, that way I'm not, that way I'm not always working on like uh, the people that I work with time, you know, sometimes I just want to drop something but uh, I still haven't figured it out. But it, it's another job, to be honest with y'all. Makes me feel like it's a it's a it's a nonstop. Like you have to post or whatever. Yeah. I just don't stress that. I don't stress it yet. Um, I just don't stress that yet. When I figure out what it is I want to do, and that I can do at my own accord, I'll do that. But at the end of the day, you still gotta be good at what you do in person. So as long as I'm always working on that aspect. Uh, and then I start stepping it up with the videos, I'll be good, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. Then that's, like, also your authentic you, because people can see a bunch of your, your videos, your social media, whatever. Then if they see you in person and you deliver, they're like, oh, okay, they're real. Like, this is for real. They're not. Because you sometimes don't know who who's behind that person, who's actually writing their stuff, mm-hmm. who's actually, like, putting up, who's actually, like, behind it. And you may think it's always just the person at the forefront, um, but you did mention your sketch videos. Can you tell us how that culminated, how they came about with you individually and then meeting, you know, your, I mean, yeah, just go into as much detail as you want. Uh, so I don't think I've ever dropped anything, any video by myself. I, uh, I was just doing stand-up and about, I think, three years ago now, I met Tyler Harris at an open mic and we just, we got along right off the bat. We found each other really funny. And then we just became really good friends where we just felt like it was more than, it was more than comedy at that point. We, we felt like we were real life friends and stuff like that. And, um, Talon was doing videos by himself. He, he was, cause he was, uh, he, he was already a rapper. And so he's really good at like editing stuff that I have no clue what to do. I was, I've never picked up a camera and then opened up, I, uh, movie mac mac movie. i don't even know the name <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So we just started doing videos together and it wasn't as it wasn't that many but what we did come up with was really good and solid but most importantly we just had fun doing them i think if you just have fun doing anything you do and it makes you laugh genuinely like you're just you're not just doing this because you need to drop something like you enjoyed the process you found the video funny yourself you could always win with that. And uh, every single video we made together, I just found them all hilarious and I enjoyed them. And then about like uh, two years ago now, or maybe a year and a half, I would say two, then uh, Talon came up to me one day and he's like, yo, look at this guy, he's hilarious. And it was Jared Harvin. Jared Harvin is out of this world, if I'm honest with you guys. Because he's funny, but most importantly, he's, he was already doing videos by himself. You know, he found that little niche that I was trying to tell you guys about. And he knows how to edit. He's been editing for years. He's good with the camera. Like, he, he's like, in my opinion, he's a genius because he'll know the angles. He'll know exactly how it's going to look in his mind when he's editing. And, like, you know, when, when, when it comes out afterwards, I just can't believe that he pieced it together that well. And um, so then us three, we started doing videos together. And it's just, honestly, it's just been a good, it's been a good trip. You know, like, yeah. I'm never in a rush. Most people want to get to when they're winning in life, you know, quote unquote, when they're up. Yeah. I enjoy that. I've been enjoying this whole journey. I've been enjoying everything. I've been enjoying who I'm working with. So that's really how it started with Jared and Talon and me. 
and and it's yeah, funny. Man, I, I really, yeah. It's funny, and you can see like it does come through the screen where it's like, oh yeah, these guys are also. It, like it's not dragging your feet and like people are not enjoying the process or whatever it is like oh this is genuine like this is this is like also a group that has chemistry a group that comes up with really funny ideas and knows how to execute them um and also like you touch upon it's the vision how somebody is able to we know it very well and you have it in you know the the writing stage you're just thinking of the ideas whatever stuff like pops in at at the in the moment um but having somebody who'd be like oh yeah i know i have a vision for how to shoot it oh yeah i have you and that technical person you need that technical person somebody who is piecing it together because you are all the producers now it's not just a person in front of the camera but it's not separate roles it's all merged um and then that's how you get it accomplished and it is yeah it is definitely um you guys like in particular already have it's great because watching your material you already get a sense of your uh your comedy tone your comedy you're like you're like oh these are like their signature you're just like oh yeah like this is like this is so them or like this is and like for sure there's stuff where you're like surprised but it's like because it's because sometimes you're just like what the fuck is gonna happen in this video but that's like the delightful thing because I don't want to be I don't want to expect it I don't want to be like I constantly you know you always want to be amused but you're always just like oh my god yeah that's like so their style yeah that's the word thing yeah <laughs> stylistically yeah it's very and it, it's so like not offensive too and like a world where everything's so fucking offensive yes. like yes. it's just like yes. something everybody could find funny Everyone and it's just enjoying. like amazing yes. yeah no yeah. i'm a big fan of all your videos they're really great yeah i look forward to them i, I look forward to more videos in the future yeah appreciate y'all man Oh yeah, no, of course, dude. How do you like? How do you guys like generally come up with ideas? Like, do you like sit down and like start riffing together, or is it just whoever thinks of the of the next idea and they just kind of like? What's the process like for you guys? So, um, all right, each of us on our own, we come up with ideas. But this is why I say like, Talon and Jared. Um, I'm big on picking up my friends. You'll never really hear me picking myself up, so never feel like I'm not including myself. But that's just how I am. But yeah. I think they're both geniuses. Because um, talent, the same thing with Jared, talent has the vision too. And since he's been doing it for a long time too, he'll know how to record it too. Talent is just like me and Jared as well, where they're just so good. At, we're just all good at yes ending each other. Yeah. So it don't matter what they're bringing to the table or what I bring to the table. We're super with it because I trust them. They trust me. We trust each other. Whatever it is, we'll, we'll go that way. And it goes to what you were saying, how it's, I wouldn't say we're clean comics, but we're just not into offending anybody. And not saying that we do that particularly, like we go into it thinking that. It's just, we don't, we're just not like that. Talent, I'm pretty sure, was the same when I was at school. Same, same thing with Jared, where I wanted to make everybody laugh. Or I wanted to yes and everybody. I didn't just want to be a cool kid or this and that. I was laughing with everybody. Everybody had a sense of humor. So I'm pretty sure they were like that. So basically, honestly, to Jared is out of this world because some of the things he comes up with like i don't know if you guys seen the the sketch where it's like uh i went to the store for him and i got him uh he wanted chips and i got him a potato like he'll come up with things 
where I'm like, how did you even think of that? Or the chair, we had a, a sketch about a chair that wanted to kill itself. Yeah, oh my god, that was the best one. Everybody <laughs> needs to go check that out. I watched it already. When you said it, he was like, yo, I have an idea about a chair that wants to kill itself. I was just like, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm super with it. Let's do it. I don't care. Oh, damn. <laughs> which of, of the videos, uh, which one makes you laugh the most when you go back and watch it? I'm I'm biased. I, I like all of them. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Honestly, I was like, oh. about, yeah. yeah. It's it's hard when you were also saying about like laughing. It does take me a while to edit our stuff because I am just constantly laughing while I'm watching <laughs> yeah. it, and you have to rewatch stuff a bunch of times when you edit. If you're thinking of the music, the this, the trimming, the blah, whatever. So it is like exactly like you were saying. Like yeah, if you do, if you're at the point where you don't enjoy it, then it is like why are you doing it? You know, like you right. said, you've been doing stand up comedy for seven years. And it's just like, you know, don't make yourself go crazy. Like, yeah. you would want to keep doing something for seven years. So you clearly, you know, are, and also that's, <laughs> that is not an easy um, passion to, like, fight for or to chase or to go after so consistently. That's hard. A lot of, like, the rooms you're around, um, I mean, which also if you can speak upon for over the seven years, like how uh, the comedy culture has changed, obviously the room, I mean, just within the past two to three years with the pandemic bubble, but the rooms that you've been in, like shit gets, you know, gritty. And then all of a sudden you're not allowed to say this, you can't do this, you can't do blah, blah, blah. Um, But how, yeah, what would you say in regards to um, how comedy has evolved in the length of time that you've been doing it? Um, well, I got in at 2015, things were already becoming, they would call it sensitive, things were already becoming sensitive, and then obviously they became more, but I'm all about adapting to it, and I, I came up, I was born in 94, when I was going to school, it was from like, uh, basically 2000 to 2012, I graduated high school in 2012, and from 2009 to 2012, I think I already started adapting, adapting to what the world is, so like, I feel like comedy just like every other art form is a reflection of the world. Mm -hmm. And remember in like 2011, I stopped wanting to be, I wouldn't say I was an offensive person, but if I was like, just, I I had no filter basically. And my, and my filter is not even nothing crazy, but still, I still had no filter. And I just remember senior year, I just didn't want to like, rub anybody the wrong way is the best way I can put it. Like, how can I make everybody laugh for real, for real? Not just, not just my classmates, but how can I make the teacher laugh too, where he doesn't feel like I'm disrupting his class? Mm -hmm. I kind of make the person that's like, yo, I'm trying to study to pass this final and you're being a class clown. You're being an idiot. How can I make them chuckle too? Like, it, I don't know why, but this is just things that I was, I wanted to do. And then, so when I got into comedy, I was already, I was I was aware of sensitivity is the best way I could put it. I was always aware of sensitivity. I'm a sensitive person. That's why I feel like my comedy came from where I had to defend myself from like fat jokes or whatever it was, you know. And um, so I was very hyper hyper aware of how people felt. So I'm all about adapting. If the world is sensitive and people don't want to be offended at comedy shows, I understand that some people are against that. Like it's an art. We should do what I want then you go ahead and keep continue to do that. I, and 
I hope you remain successful in that. All of that, not even saying that I'm giving into it, but I already came up like that. I already came up. This is the generation. I have a younger sister who is even more sensitive and even in a more sensitive community in a sense. And yeah, I would like her to watch my stand up too and not be like, oh, that was too dirty or that was this. Uh, that's, it just is what it is. That's what I'm about. Um, Which is special, yeah. I mean, that also will take you far, inclusivity. It's like not like people do, people <laughs> do make it seem like it is so hard to, um, I don't know, just expand your reach and to be like, oh, right. let me, you know, do something. So yeah, people don't feel left out. Um, but that's wonderful that it comes easily and naturally to you because like, yeah, that's what everybody's pushing for is just like, yeah, inclusivity, inclusivity, like the shows we're watching, the stuff we're doing, whatever, you're not displaying everyone's experience. You're not, I get it. You're not going to be able to display every single person's experience, but there's so many people like who can't compare their, not compare, but who can't see some of their story or whatever reflected back on, you know, some streaming services where you're just like, where is this kind of content or where is this kind of like, you know, like they had, they had astronomy, cl- astronomy, astronomy club. Astronomy. <laughs> the end of the end, man. They always makes it hard. Um, yeah. Um, for like Netflix for one season. Well, we talked about this before, but I'm still not over it. Um, and then they just took it down so quickly. Like, and that's just one example, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. There's like a bunch of things, which, is very interesting that like a lot of the sketch shows we all watch because we were all born around the same time watched growing up a lot of it were uh white male writers <laughs> for the majority of the sketch shows so you're just like oh why do I like this content like why yeah why do I find these why am I geared and you're just like oh that's what I watched growing up mm-hmm. and you're like oh that's why this is, you know, where does this originate from? Where does this like, yeah, this kind of, what do I think of when I think back to blah, 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 blah. So I don't even know what my point was, but. <laughs> but you're, you're mad at astronomy club. That's what it's about. Yeah, well, I just like, yes, I like your inclusivity. That's what I'm saying. Like I can picture you town, like having a show, like doing you, whatever the the heck your videos are and your content, it can be literally anything. And I like already, feel safe and can trust because I mean yes we do know you guys but like safe and like trust knowing that like it would I would be like oh yeah I could show this to my brother who's 10 years younger I could show this to my parents and it would be fine like people would still like I mean he's a teenager so it's, he's not that young so it would still be <laughs> it would still be fine like I'm saying it would still like satisfy many sectors and you would be like oh yeah I feel good after watching this mm. right Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'll just I'll wait. I'll wait till you get to that stage. Who? <laughs> Let's not, hurry up. Let's get your show. <laughs> not to uh change gears, but uh who's your basketball team? Were you always a Knicks fan? Uh, I grew up a I grew up a Steve Nash fan. Whoa. <laughs> so all right. So are you just a Nets fan now, perfectly? Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, I, I hate coming off fake, but okay, so like I grew up a Steve Nash fan. I'm very good at self-awareness, right? So <laughs> I was always trying to find somebody that I felt like, okay, I can I can embody that. So when I was watching basketball, I never felt like I could 
be Michael Jordan, jump from the free throw line. I didn't think I would have crazy hops. I didn't think I could be like LeBron. So I'm like finding and finding. And yeah. I find no short, short white guy from Canada that can shoot the ball like crazy and, mm-hmm. and set the guy up. And I was trying to embody that. And honestly, like I was doing pretty good. Like I, I was good because I knew what I had to do and I was good at it. And then what I noticed was I was only six. I don't want to say only, but I was six feet tall, which I'm blessed to, to even be six feet tall. But still in basketball, I was still the sh- on a regular team. I will still be the shortest guy. Mm-hmm. But that's why I say I'm blessed enough to at least be six feet tall because where I grew up at in middle school, I was the tallest guy. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't I couldn't play point guard. So then I started watching people like Akeem Olajuwon or Shaq and how do they do it in the post. So that was my main thing. So because of that, because I had to just do what I had to do for my team, I just became a fan of the sport or, mm-hmm. or a fan of the art that is basketball. So yeah. I like – the Nets. I'm biased. I'm from Brooklyn, but I just enjoy basketball. If I'm honest with you guys, yeah, it's funny because because like, that's like most people have not the case. Most people, it's like they like ha- they feel like they have to have an allegiance to a certain team. Do you think it makes it easier to enjoy the games when you like, even though you, if you have like a preference, but like you just like enjoy the like the sport? Like, does it make it more enjoyable for you? For sure, because I have I have nothing to lose. Whereas people have this sort of favoritism they want. And I get it. Like, I, I honestly get it. Like, when I was a Steve Nash fan and the Suns were winning, I was I was happy when they lost. I was super unhappy. But then after a while, you know, I gave up personally on just all of that, and I just became a fan of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's for me speaking, it's just so much better. I'm not betting on anything either. Um, and it's just so much enjoyable. Like, I, I could care less who wins, who loses. It was a great game type of thing. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I'm just going to check back in with your list of sketch shows <laughs> before we uh, close it out. Uh, Mind of Mencia, that was another one that I was watching. Um, another one. Wow. Uh, damn, you caught me because I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah. Ah, welcome to Sessions with Mary Jane. <laughs> Has anybody said Amanda show when uh, on I your know. podcast? Oh no, you're the first person to do sketch shows. Every every episode's a different oh, category. Yeah. yeah. So so no so matter what, the first you're yeah, already, you're number yeah. one when it comes to naming sketch comedy shows on Sessions with Mary Jane. Sure. Honestly, I don't. Oh yeah. Oh well, write oh, down. I just gave him one. I forgot. Yeah. Right, that one? Oh, you wrote a Sean Michael, yeah. Yes, yes. Chappelle I Show. Always do that. Right, Chappelle Show is one. Yes, yep. Yes, that's a new one that you're getting, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, we're just checking the, the list. I thought he said some other sketch show that sounded like Chappelle Show, but... Shishmel Show? No. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what she's thinking of. I, I, I know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> what else do you do in your free time? What are, what are some of your hobbies when you're not doing stand-up and you're not uh, working? I'm a real, like, the best way I can explain it is I'm a boring guy. That's the best way to put it, where I'm very into the stand-up. I'm very into my job. If I'm not doing those things, I'm probably spending time with my family. I'm spending time with friends. Uh I, I stopped playing basketball and I, I just stopped playing it. I'll probably play. I enjoy playing it with friends. 
I'm very just like, uh, or I watch movies. Like, when, okay, I went to D.C. two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I was there for a whole week doing shows. I did not leave my hotel room unless it was for shows. <laughs> my first time in the city. I didn't go around. I didn't. I'm like real, like boring. That's the best way I could put it for y'all. Well, I don't think that's boring. Yeah, what movie? You just simple. You're it's meaningful. You know, you can you just do the the. You know what you like. You know you, what you like, and you stick with it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, what movies are you either like watching now that are coming out, or what are some of your faves of all time? Um, some of my favorite movies of all time. I like The Fifth Element. I mm-hmm. don't know why. I just really enjoy that movie. Um, I enjoy documentaries a lot, particularly a lot of basketball documentaries like uh, Hoop Dreams. I thought that was amazing. Hoop Dreams was amazing. Uh, Sebastian Telfair Through the Fire was a documentary about him being drafted from high school. I love that one. Um, all of the ESPN 30 for 30s. Um, I just finished, well, not just finished because I've seen it so many times, but uh, Jerry Seinfeld Comedian is a documentary. Uh, I love it because it's about him going back into stand-up after Seinfeld, the show ended, so he has to reinvent himself. And there's some other guy coming up named Orny Adams. And that's that means a lot to me because when you watch it, you see how attitude is everything in life, where Jerry's just always happy-going. Not necessarily happy-going. You still go through the motions, but he enjoys what he does. And I think that's why he's so successful with somebody like Orny was putting all this pressure on himself to make it, quote unquote, make it. And it just ruined everything for him. He, people don't people don't want to be around people like that. You become unapproachable. You just have this nasty attitude. Even when you do well, you still find something to complain about. Like, and honestly, to be honest with y'all, in life, it's what you make of it. There's no such thing as I made it. You just make something of it. And you'll forever be good. And that's why that move, that documentary is really good for anybody in comedy in general. Because it just shows you, like, yo, just have a good time. If he, this guy had the most successful show of all time, he's still chasing stand-up, or he's still trying to enjoy himself in life. So I think that's why Jerry's a winner, because he's just forever just enjoying himself. And anybody yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot that, uh, I'll, oh, also, well, before we forget, um, where can people find you, your content, um, and anything you'd like to plug? I'm on Instagram at Julio Diaz three two one. That's where you can find all of my sketches. I also post um, where I'm going to be at, like show wise, every Saturday, seven p.m. I'm at the Bowery Electric with Luis Galilei and Tyler Harris for our show. Give me a break, comedy. TJ Squared Podcast with Trinidad, Julio Rivera, and myself is on every uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you can think of. That's bi-weekly. It comes out bi-weekly. Um, I don't do the Twitter. I do have a Facebook, but I'm not on it like that. And uh, <laughs> that was it. Other than that, um, yeah. I, I This has been a delight. You're the wonderful human being. Yeah. And this is a oh, thank you so much. fantastic wealth of information. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is so great. And also, have a great show. We're excited yes. that literally minutes from now, you will be picking the stage to have a great set. And uh, for those of you all listening to this podcast, thank you for listening to Sessions of Mary. What was his final number? Oh, your final count was six. You got six. 
Six is a very solid number. Congratulations, Julio. Six solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, so you can just find all the stuff that we make. Um, you can find all of our podcasts, sessions with Mary Jane, of course, and then also the morning shower, our morning joke news segment where we tell you about the headlines of the day and we give you something to laugh about them. Also, go to latenighthump.com. Email us your funny or not funny thoughts at latenighthump at gmail.com at latenighthump. If you type in latenighthump and you're either going to find two things. You're going to find all of our stuff, all of our funny uh, oh, content, yeah. or you're going to see some sexual things. Either way, it's a win-win for you. So thank you for listening and have a great life. <laughs> Can I add one more? Yeah, yeah. go for it. All right, because my lucky number is seven. Uh, the Key and Peel Show. Yeah. Oh, boy, you at the buzzer. Well done. Well, uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck with everything, and um, we'll talk soon.